0: is this the best toy story movie no but you can't deny that it's the most recent we're talking toy story 4 on today's we're not affiliated with netflix Welcome to Kid Flicks, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and cause a five-year migraine in your parents. Yeah, so this is another classic edition of Ross records an episode quickly by himself because uh, things didn't go according to plan. Or also, it's been a long week, so it's been a long week. And I just came back, Uh, last night I saw Toy Story 4, so I figured this would be a perfect place to talk about it, by myself, where nobody um, can challenge my opinions. But you, of course, are welcome to challenge my opinions, totally send me a message uh, on Twitter, send me an email, do whatever you want, let me know what you think of Toy Story 4, because I don't know exactly where I fit on what everybody else thinks. But speaking of what everybody else thinks, right now, Toy Story 4 has 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really high. I mean, I think, uh, just going from memory, I remember that Toy Story 3 had about a 98 or a 99. I'm sure that Toy Story 1 and 2 were in the mid-80s, low 90s. That's what I'm assuming, just because I think people just didn't really have a precedent. And now Pixar has definitely uh, set itself up to always have insanely successful movies both critically and commercially i'm not talking about you good dinosaur i'm so sorry um also i a lot of what i'm thinking about in terms of this movie um i'm wondering if it would change if i would seen any of the toy story shorts that they've created over the years specifically uh there was small fry i think there was like haunted toy story or something like that like they on the disney channel they made a lot of different uh shorts so if that if you think that that will change my opinion on the movie, please let me know once you listen to this episode and hear maybe my unpopular opinions. And and I feel like this is, you all are getting scared. Like, Ross, did you hate this movie? No, I didn't. Um, I think it is not my favorite by far. Um, I would say, I was talking to my, so I saw it with a uh, brother of the podcast, Max, and we were talking afterwards what we thought of it. And I think we both kind of came to the conclusion that Toy Story 4 was unnecessary, but still fun. Um, I think both of us, we agreed that Toy Story 2 was our favorite, uh, and that we couldn't really remember what happened in Toy Story 3. Actually, in fact, um, right before I started recording, I read the synopsis of Toy Story 3, and boy, it sounds rough. I only remember the part where they all nearly die, and it felt very uh, uh, World War 2 ish It did not... Uh, disappoint in terms of intenseness. And uh, I will say, I don't think that Toy Story 4 is as sad or as intense as Toy Story 3 was, just going from muscle memory. Um, I think a lot of people were nervous and kind of excited to see what it would become because Tim Allen said during the press of, this, of promoting Toy Story 4 that he had such trouble Uh, recording his final lines at the end of the movie because it got too emotional and I get it also spoiler alert because come on I'm talking about a brand new movie but it's been out for two weeks now so you'll be fine so it ends with uh, Bo Peep and Woody deciding to live a life on the road and Buzz going back uh, with all the rest of the the toys that are now Bonnie's and uh, it ends with uh, Buzz saying to infinity and then Woody says and beyond and it's it's nice. Um, I I don't really remember much about Toy Story 3 still, but I mean, the whole ending with Andy summarizing what all the toys meant to him and all that stuff uh, was super good and important and poignant. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's okay that this movie doesn't have an emotional punch. I think that aspect of Pixar can be frustrating and a little bit overrated. Like It kind of reminds me of the trap that M. Night Shyamalan has gotten himself into by saying, oh, what kind of crazy twist is going to happen in this next end Night movie? You're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. I mean, we all saw Glass, and we all saw how that turned out, which was wild. And I think I'm trying to go into Pixar movies and just kind of thinking, I'm gonna see a good story. I'm gonna enjoy myself. I'll have some laughs. Maybe I'll get a little emotional. And I think that's what this movie does well. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember, there was a part towards the end where I got a little bit, not even emotional, but just kind of thinking, oh, this is kind of sad that this is an ending of sorts and, like, what toys mean to people. You know what it was? So, you know, I, just, I think I need to just kind of talk about this and uh, see uh, where I end up. So, I think the big thing that everybody's asking is how was Forky? Forky, Tony Hale, uh, voiced him did a fantastic job. Forky is a great character, I think a lot more compelling and a natural fit than Walter was in the Muppets movie in 2011. I love the that Muppets movie, but uh, I I think that Forky was a more natural point to go to. Like we've seen these three movies with toys that are manufactured, mass produced. They mean something in the culture of the movie universe. Um, But then we end with Bonnie, her favorite toy in the movie is just this little thing that she made. And I think that even kind of links back to the original Toy Story, how Sid had all these different mutations of toys that he made himself. Like, obviously, in the toys' minds, that was kind of macabre and terrifying. But in this movie, it's very sweet. And uh, Woody technically did it because Woody sneaks to kindergarten to console Bonnie cuz she's not ready for kindergarten. And uh, uh he just kind of tries to cheer her up, which is his role as a toy. And as you find out as the movie goes on, making Bonnie happy isn't working for him. At least Woody is not really getting chosen to play with all the time anymore. And so we have these four old-timer uh toys in the closet played by legends that I <laughs> Uh, so I recognized Mel Brooks' voice, but the other three toys I did not recognize whatsoever. And who are these comedy legends, you might ask? I'm so glad you asked. So we have Mel Brooks, which he has a very distinct voice. He was like, I can't believe! That's not what he sounds like. Um, but similarly, uh, Carl Reiner was one of the other toys, and also Carol Burnett and Betty White. And I think this kind of brings up one of the issues that I've been having with Toy Story 4, and I think just movies kids' movies in general. Um, If you haven't seen it, uh, Lindsay Ellis does a fantastic video about uh, Disney and Robin Williams and kind of how the promotion of Aladdin really rested on, hey, look, we got Robin Williams to voice the genie. And it was this whole thing. You should really watch it. Lindsay explains it a million times better uh, than I could. But the gist of the whole video is that Movies have become so much more reliant on casting big stars, and especially kids' movies. Because kids' movies, they used to be, you know, like, unless you're a die-hard movie buff, you can't really name any of the voice actors from Snow White or Cinderella or any of these old Disney movies like you could probably there's always one kind of stunt casting like oh my god is that Vincent Price as a butterfly or whatever but for the most part they were just kind of voice actors that just did voice acting for a living and they just did a good job but for some reason and I think part of it is distrust of parents and the general need to, you know, like, have something for the parents in the movie. The very DreamWorksy thing. They started really heavily advertising, oh, look at these celebrities, they're in the movie. And as I was sitting there with my brother, watching all the trailers before Toy Story 4, you could see this so clearly. Like, Will Smith as a pigeon in Spies in Disguise. You got this weird movie with Alec Baldwin, Jeremy Renner, uh, uh, Heidi Klum, and it's like, about sled dogs, but Jeremy Renner's a wolf and that somehow makes him worse than a dog. Uh, but all of these movies are just advertising, look at these celebrities that are in it. And when I was a kid, I kind of knew the names of some celebrities, but I didn't give a fuck. Like I was going to see these movies because I wanted to see these movies and parents would always take their kids to see these movies. But now I guess, at least in my view and kind of based off of the Lindsay Ellis video is that studios are just getting excited that cool we can get these big name celebrities to do a voice that's either right in their wheelhouse or something you might not expect them to do you know and so obviously (laughs) reading through all the IMDB for all the different Toy Story movies there are so many A-list celebrities like this cast is stacked and it's great but at the same time I don't know how much it's really adding to the movie. Like, for instance, I think the voice, uh, the person who voices the the villain, quote unquote, in the movie, Gabby, Gabby, is voiced by Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. I think she played Joan in Mad Men. I believe, and she was good. Um, I think she did a fine job, but her voice, I don't know if it really mattered that. It was her voicing this character. Like, she has a very sweet voice in the movie. So they were like, okay, Christina Hendricks, you do it. But why? And similarly, uh, Kig and Michael Key and Jordan Peele from Key and Peele, they voiced two plush animals, Ducky and Bunny. And again, I will say they were funny. I laughed. I thought they were a fun part of the movie. But at the same time, they didn't add a single thing to the plot. Like, it added a nice little wrinkle of, oh... If we're at a carnival, there are all these plush animals that are just kind of hanging up, waiting to be won by kids, and they've been there for too long. I get that. But at the same time, it this kind of felt the closest in a while to me for Disney, specifically Pixar, to be having almost a DreamWorks-like feel to the movie. Like, so many celebrities, so many little bit parts, and again, f- really funny and heartfelt. Like, this... The the worst Pixar movie is still pretty redeemable, except maybe Cars 2 and The Good Dinosaur. Um, I feel that Ducky and Bunny are going to have a spinoff of some kind. Like, the feeling, the general feeling of this movie is that, okay, Tom Hanks is done. Like, I don't think we will see Woody really again. I'm not even sure if we would necessarily see Buzz again. Like, the two leads of the first movie that kind of brought everything together that started Pixar and put it on the map they're kind of done like their story has been told and they need to pass it to a new generation of toys I mean they could just you know make different movies that could hit us in the childhood quote-unquote but they're probably going to keep making these either those shorts that I mentioned before that I did not see or whatever According to press releases, Disney+, Plus, the streaming service that's going to be launching in November, they are going to have a 10-episode short-form series called Forky Asks a Question, which who knows what that'll be. Uh, There's also apparently a short film called Lamp Life, which will kind of talk and show uh, what Bo Peep was up to between when she left in Toy Story 4, was absent during Toy Story 3, and we see her again later in Toy Story 4. And so I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Toy Story 4 and obviously this is going to be uh debatable what is actually true or not but uh Tom Hanks said on Ellen DeGeneres that like he thought that this would be the final film in the series that he wouldn't be doing more but uh you know they can never rule out Another movie. Like, I I thought it was interesting. So, uh, Mark Nielsen, who was one of the producers uh, of Toy Story 4, he said, quote, Every film we make, we treat it like it's the last and the first film that we're ever going to make. So, you force yourself to make it hold up. You don't get in over your skis. Whether there's another one, I don't know. If there is, it's tomorrow's problem which I think is obviously interesting like they meant Toy Story 3 to be the wrap-up but then uh, Rashida Jones and uh, Will McCormick uh, I believe they came to Disney or they were hired by Disney and Pixar to kind of figure out what a potential Toy Story 4 would be and it became this whole kind of uh, really satisfying uh, feminist slant for uh, our girl Bo Peep and you know what speaking of her I'm gonna talk about some of the things that I liked in this movie because I could of course talk about all the issues and the little reservations that I have, but also, you know, I grew up with the Toy Story franchise, so I'm going to be hypercritical, which who knows? If you want that, good for you. Maybe I'll I'll say some more stuff. So, um some great things. Like I tried to start like five, ten minutes ago. I love Forky. Um, I think Forky is a lot of fun. Um, really all of the characters that they introduce. There aren't a lot of, you know, just characters that are introduced for the sake of introducing. Like, you know, you could argue that for Ducky and Bunny, but as I said, they kind of flesh out an aspect of toyhood that you don't think about. I think that's one really strong thing in general, actually, about the Toy Story franchise is that they will always try to flesh out a different idea of what it means to be a toy. So Toy Story 2, they expand upon the idea of like collectible toys and an actual toy store. And Toy Story 3, they expand upon a little bit more the idea of secondhand toys and when the original owner or kid grows up and grows out of it, where do you do away with those toys? Did I phrase that as awkwardly as possible? I think so. But I I think Pixar, again, did a great job with thinking about, okay, carnivals are a place where you're going to see toys in a different aspect, especially... This where it's a carnival set in an RV park that's kind of just a general rest stop area. There's an antique store where we meet Gabby Gabby, as well as, and I don't know how we waited nearly 15 minutes to talk about this, but those goddamn ventriloquist dummies. They, uh, There are four of them that walk around. They have an awkward way of running and walking, and it's terrifying. And uh, they, I think that was probably my least favorite part of this movie, to be honest. Like, I It 100% made sense for them to be in this antique store and kind of doing the bidding of Gabby Gabby. But Jesus fucking Christ, I hated them so much. They were scary. And I don't remember their voices. I think they had weird, scary voices, too. Um, So sorry about that. Um, (laughs) And the one nice thing is that Gabby Gabby. So as I said, like, she's kind of set up to be the villain. And then they end up kind of dropping that relatively quickly. So long story short, Forky gets kidnapped by Gabby Gabby because Gabby Gabby is one of those talking dolls and her voice box is malfunctioned. It doesn't work. And so she sees that Woody has a completely perfectly mint condition one. And so she wants it for herself so she can finally have a chance at being a a, a toy, which evil, but also completely understandable. And as the movie goes on, she stops being seen as evil, like probably about, early halfway through. I could the timing of this movie, I couldn't figure out how long things were. But about halfway through the movie, so Forky and Gabby are just kind of hanging out. Forky tells Gabby all of these different things that Woody's told him about what it means to be a toy and kind of his, you know, sad experiences growing up and being done with Andy and the hard trans transference uh to Bonnie. And so Gabby gives this kind of what feels and seems like it's a manipulative speech, but it hits Woody at the right time where he realizes that, like, all I have left is making Bonnie happy by getting Forky back to Bonnie. And also, now that I'm, I've been saying this out loud for so long, all these different names, and too many names that end in Y or I-E. Um, so, that's just a thing that I would change about this movie. <laughs> but so, uh, it becomes less of a movie about, uh, like, oh, this other threat to Woody's livelihood and being able to be a toy that's loyal for his kid becomes the story of how Woody moves on. And part of that is by reconnecting with Bo Peep, who after years of being on the shelf has decided to just kind of be a free range lost toy. And we see a lot of lost toys. Another great uh, thing from Pixar of exploring what it means to be a toy. We also get a nice little character, Combat Carl, voiced by Carl Weathers, who. He's just basically a GI Joe thing, and there's a recurring bit where one keeps waiting to get a high five and holds up his arm and doesn't get it, and that's probably I think the funniest part of the entire movie. I would say I would put all the funny stuff on my favorite character, which is Ham, but Ham was barely in it. Um, that's one thing that I will say: you are going to be disappointed if one of the non if if Woody and Buzz aren't your favorite toy then you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed and feeling a little empty that all these different toys that we see and we know and we equally love just kind of are put in the background. And obviously Mr. Potato Head or Slinky Dog is a little bit acceptable because both of their original voice actors died and Don Rickles especially they apparently didn't have any audio from him so they were just trying to piece together any audio that they might have had from Pixar or from his career that they could have used and so he doesn't really say anything he's just kind of like ah come on or something like that and they kind of call it a day but what Ross would you say is another great part of this movie because he feels like you're getting negative again you're right thank you listener okay Jeff Garland plays Buttercup, who's like a unicorn plush, and, uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit sweaty because I'm thinking of a unicorn plush, and that makes me think of Despicable Me, but don't worry, it's all okay. Like I said before, I don't remember much about Toy Story 3, but Buttercup's whole character seems to be just him being, like, a demented, uh, unicorn you know just kind of like oh a unicorn is supposed to be nice and cutesy and friendly but this one's kind of dark which you know if it was anybody else but jeff garland who just has like such a natural like ah kind of voice to him uh, that would that sounded more like uh howard dean than <laughs> jeff garland so jeff garland as buttercup has this recurring bit throughout the entire movie where they're trying to stall uh, Bonnie's parents because they're trying to get back on the road, but they can't get back on the road until Woody and Forky are back on the RV. Which, oh, yeah, they're in an RV. There's like a, it basically feels like an ad for the general concept of RVing. And there's some company called Go RVing that keeps popping up in every advertisement online for this movie. So do with that as you will. But so they keep having to stall. And so Jeff Garland as Buttercup keeps saying, like, what if we make dad do something illegal or like what if we get dad arrested and that is just a fun recurring gag like jesse to stall pops one of the tires which pisses off the dad but finally buttercup is under the pedals and he is just like pulling on the gas and just like making it look like the dad is a terrible driver and he ends up getting pulled over by the cops and it's very fun i thought that was a very good recurring bit that like wasn't really much but it was a lot of fun And uh, speaking of a lot of fun So obviously we hear You've got a friend in me We get more Randy Newman stuff Um, I don't know if in the other movies If he also was composing and conducting the score But he did that for this one And he was great And there's also another um, new song By Randy Newman called I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away Which is a part of Probably one of the funniest sequences In the movie as well Which is Forky uh, because he doesn't understand that Bonnie sees him as a toy. He thinks his purpose is, you know, to be trash because he's a spork and just a pipe cleaner and stuff. So he keeps trying to toss himself into the trash can and what he keeps having to, like, fish him out of the trash can and give him back to Bonnie. And it's very fun. And uh, so it's this whole, like, jazzy song. And it, it, it just has that classic kind of sound of Randy Williams. Wait, what is it? Randy Newman? Who's Randy Williams? I do not know. My bedroom is kind of hot and I'm tired, but, uh, so Randy Newman has a very fun song. Um, I think it's a new classic. Like I need to listen to it some more, but it, it had a very nice feel to it. But, uh, going back to that Forky bit though. Um, so he keeps saying I'm trash and he means, he means it in like a fun way, but I'm sure, and I haven't really looked online, but I'm sure every other person is posting about Toy Story 4 saying like, I'm Forky because I'm trash. And, no one likes that. Um, I do not like that. Um, and last thing, I. <laughs> sorry if you made that joke. Um, and also, I'll say this. Um, I really. I felt weird. Buzz didn't really have anything to do in this movie. And I'm trying to think. Like, I, I feel like Buzz and Woody in the second and the third movie, they kind of were a team together. I think second more so because the third one is when he gets factory reset and becomes uh, Spanish speaking for some of the movie, which. I think that was funny. I don't really remember. But the entire movie, all Buzz does is he runs around and clicks one of his own buttons to hear one of his signature catchphrases. And that's kind of like a spiritual guidance for him. And that's based off of a misinterpretation of Woody saying that he's like following his heart and following his conscience and listening to the voice inside his head. And it's it's just fine. Like, Buzz doesn't really do a lot of saving like the first and the second movie was kind of like buzz is a pal buzz and woody work side by side to help each other and this one especially he just kind of like didn't have much to do and was just kind of being stupid like buzz i can't think of him i when i think of him in the other movies i don't think of him as being stupid i think of him as being like a little naive and kind of really into his role as a space ranger but that wasn't really the case here. He's he's almost too self aware. I wish he still kinda had that toyness to him. And similarly, Jesse didn't really have a lot to do except for like wrangling the toys and being like, Come on Which <laughs> sorry if that's scared you, my amazing pitch perfect Joan Cusack impression. But I dunno like that's I think the issue with this. They introduced a lot of characters, including Duke Kaboom, that didn't end up doing that much. Like he say he helped them a little bit, but you know, the marketing really hyped him up, probably because it was vo- he was voiced by Keanu. Um, but there was just a lot of people in this movie, so it kind of like took screen time away from characters that we've grown to know and love. Which, it just, it felt a little awkward. I wanted to see all of my toy friends one last time, and this didn't feel like that was the proper send-off for a lot of them. Even though the ending ended up ended up being positive. And last thing I will say is the animation in this is absolutely phenomenal. Like there's been a video going around of like, Oh, the 25 years of Pixar animation, let's compare toy story to Toy story two to three to four. And the level of detail in this movie is beautiful. Like there's rack focus. There's really like, it looks like a macro lens, which if you know anything about uh, photography or videography, it's just, you know, like very close up stuff. Like there's a very little character in this movie and she looks realistic and you can see all these little nooks and crannies on her because all of the textures and everything in this movie just looks so detailed and beautiful so I will forgive a lot just because this movie was just nice to look at and if I saw it in 3D I bet it would look even more stunning but you know as as always for these episodes where I'm rating things by myself I'm not really gonna add it to the rankings but if I had to say I'd probably give it like a 3.8 out of 5, something like that, because maybe I'm being too hard on it, but I feel like this movie could have been a lot more satisfying, and I remember being really happy with how Toy Story 3 ended, but at the same time, this wasn't like a bastardization of all of the characters that we know and love. And that's really it for today. Um, (laughs) uh, We will hopefully be back next week with a full-length episode for all of you, but I just wanted to kind of air out my thoughts a little bit of Toy Story 4, and I would love to hear your opinions, maybe. So please tweet at me, uh, message me anywhere you like, and talk about this movie with me, because I would love to be proven wrong. I know in a couple weeks, uh, my friends at How Many Fingers Am I Holding Up, they will actually be releasing their last episode of their podcast that I've been fortunate enough to be on a couple times, and they'll be talking about Toy Story 4 as well. And look out, because I'll be posting, uh, I believe, next week, uh, the episode that I recorded with them about Men in Black International comes out. And boy, oh boy, is that a goddamn stinker. But that is all for today. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. Um, If you're in the Philadelphia area, this Friday, July 5th, I will be at the Good Good Comedy Theater performing in the Sad Boys improv show so it's a really fun time uh, i'm gonna be improvising in a really stupid character and what is it i don't know yet we'll find out uh but that is all for today uh please write and review us on itunes and all that stuff i gotta stop saying that is all for today but this is the last time that is all for today we will hear you next week and go go gadget and show